This was a very, very important Sermon on the Mount, as we call it. And this is just a part of, of that Sermon on the Mount in uh, chapter 5 of Matthew. And I'm going to read it, then we're going to have prayer, and I'm just going to read verses 3 through 10. And it seems like a, 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 a contradiction. Now, you would not believe the many people that I have taught this to, they look and say, well, pastor, I don't, this is blowing my mind. How am I blessed if I'm poor in spirit? How am I blessed if I'm meek? Listen to this. Listen to how this can be confusing to a lot of people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Okay, blessed and mourn. What a contradiction this seems like. What is this talking about? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're probably only going to make it about that far. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm just going to go one more. It says, Blessed are ye when uh, men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and ask you to be with us tonight, Lord, and help us to overcome the flesh that we can hear clearly in the Spirit, Lord God, and convey what the Spirit is saying to us. So give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight and give us wisdom to walk in the Word together and to obtain the meaning, the true meaning, Lord, that you sent to us that day that's relevant for us today. And we ask this, Lord, that if anyone is here tonight, that you may open up all of our understanding so that we may put it in our heart and use it, Lord God, and understand it. And we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Okay, the Sermon on the Mount. All right? This is what I've always called Jesus' Kingdom Manifesto Sermon. Where he explains, explains what the kingdom is. He explains how it works and what it should look like. That's this whole thing. Okay? Verses 3 through 10. This is where Jesus begins to lay out the character of kingdom people. The character of kingdom people. We're going to talk about that in just a second. This is not only for you, but for other people that you come into contact with. And the sermon shows this is the characteristics you should possess when you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. 
The secret that Jesus knew that nobody else knew was they didn't know about being born again as of yet. They didn't understand that. And this is where things, where the church, where I see people going into failure mode a lot. We're going to get into that. Okay? Kingdom people. Jesus knew that, I'm going to tell you something, the worst possible thing that we could ever do is try to be religious and live this way out of acts of religion. Okay? Out of acts of religion. One thing is for sure. Uh, what, we, what we are to know is you are not rewarded for being virtuous. Virtue is your reward. Remember that. This isn't your reward if you do these things. This is if you act on the Spirit of God that's already in you and let Him lead you to this. Just like the Apostle James says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you mine by my works. It's my, works that comp- it's my faith that compels me to live this way. It's not the works that makes me want to do it. That's religion. That's being a Jehovah's Witness. That's what they do. I had to study their doctrines in Bible college. I had to study all the cults. They believe that you can only get into heaven by the amount of works that you do. And I told one of them, I said, how many people do you think goes to heaven? Well, the 144,000. I said, well, there's already been that many die. There's no hope for you. (laughs) When When is there enough work? When have you done enough? So let me say that again. You're not rewarded for being virtuous. Virtue is your reward. The love of God that's in your heart. Being born again. Being saved. Should compel you to be like this. This is where we have to check ourselves as I say, before we wreck ourselves. This is where we got to do this. And to see how much you can be truly saved and become so callous that you don't live this. I've known people like that over the decades of doing this. And if you're not careful, life will callous you. People will callous you. The hardest thing facing the church today is other people. <clears throat> Satan using people. In church and in your life, your personal life. Yes, very much so. Blessed means more than just happiness. Let me just roll into this just a little bit before we start dissecting the verses. Blessed means more than just being happy. It means you're singularly favored, graciously approved by God. And when you feel the approval of God in your life, there's nothing like it. For instance, how many people in here has ever led someone to Jesus Christ and watched them get saved out of you leading them? There is nothing like that. If you want to feel blessed, if you want to experience the definition of blessed, do that. Because let me tell you something, buddy. All of heaven stands up and God's radiant face shines down upon you. Because that's your mission. And mine too. 
The greatest things I've ever done is holding the hand of some lost person and putting my hand on theirs, kneeling down and behold, watching them being born again right in front of my very eyes. That's blessed. When you feel the approval and grace of God shining down on you, you will never, ever be the same. I promise. That's drinking living water. Son, getting saved is just the beginning. You lead one person to Christ or somebody comes to Jesus through your testimony, through your life, and you'll experience something you've never known before. And you will be on fire for God. Amen, Brother Jess? So being blessed means being favored and graciously approved by God. Throughout the sermon, as I said, Jesus seems to contradict Himself by saying blessed with the words mourn, blessed with, with hunger, these kinds of things. But in the Beatitudes, if you read them, it doesn't promise laughter, pleasure, and earthly prosperity. Read it. It doesn't promise laughter, fun, and earthly prosperity. To Jesus, a person who is blessed experiences more than that. They experience joy. True, holy, God-sent, divine joy. That is a lot better than happiness. Overcoming worldly circumstances. Let me throw this in here. Because as I mentioned to you, this is probably one of the biggest problems facing the average churchgoer in America today. People thinks to be blessed means I have a billfold full of money. We tie the word blessed in with earthly things. We think to be blessed is I'm in good health. You're sort of right. But then when all of that comes crumbling down, it destroys your faith too. Because you're allowing your circumstances in life to dictate your faith. Stop it. It has nothing to do with it. Like a tree that's got a wound and compartmentalizes that wound. You have to do that and protect your faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot allow the world to dictate how, how it is you feel about Jesus in your life. We've got so many name it, claim it, blab it, grab it churches out there that says, this is your best day now. If this is your best day now, tell that to Jesus who had three old rusty nails through his skin and, 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 and anchoring him to a tree. Tell that to the Apostle Paul who was beaten, bludgeoned, drugged through streets, left to be dead, a night and a day in the deep, bitten by a viper, stoned and always in peril, always on the run. It wasn't his best day now. This is not your best day now. Satan will take your life circumstances. Listen, that most of it's your fault because you chose. Ain't can I get an amen? Yeah. Every time I've jacked myself up, I can look in the mirror and go, Jay, why'd you do that? Right. Was it God that made me drink a beer and get behind a wheel? Was it God that made you take the pills? Was it God that made you get in the bed with somebody? 
No. First of all, you got to point the finger at who's to blame and it's you. And most of the time, you're the one that's responsible for your current circumstances in which you live. I, I always hear people blame God for things, but I've never heard one, people, one person blame the devil. Or themselves. Why in the world would God let that happen? I've heard people say. I say and I always stop people and I say, well, why don't you give the devil the credit and some, of you, some on you? Amen? Terrible. You cannot, if you drag anything from this sermon tonight, do not let your worldly circumstances dictate your faith or dictate how it is that you feel spiritually. See things differently. As I said, Jesus didn't look at things like that. He had a little bit of a secret that these people didn't know about, and that was being born again. Why does that count, Brother Jay? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come into you. It wasn't into them at that moment. They had not been, the Bible says, listen, listen to the power of this. We skip through this and dance through this like, 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 like it's nothing. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, old things pass away. That's your old perspective. That's your old spiritual condition. Your fallen condition that dies. The old J who I was before died. I can tell you the Bible says, and behold, all things become new. What is that? That is being born again. That is the power that gives you the ability to live these beatitudes. And if you choose not to, once you're saved, you're grieving the spirit. You're fighting him. You're resisting him. I've done that. Listen, let me, let, me, let me be a little transparent with you all tonight. I'm past this far enough now, I think I can talk about it. I knew years ago that this is where I was supposed to be, even though I had never stepped foot in this church. When I came down from Dayton, I would come down Route 68, come into Mays, uh, Mays, uh, Maysville, Come across the river, come down to 11, come down 32, come into Moorhead, go up 519, turn on 801, come up 1274, turn on 1693, and come right by this church. And every time I would do that, God would say, there. Am I, am I lying? Every single time I come down here, God would open up an enormous storm. People would get saved and born again. Unlike the hard-hearted people north of here, I got down here, and if circumstances dictated my faith, then I'm the biggest loser there is. Because I'm telling you, it was one catastrophe after the next. One after the next. Even in my last couple years going into retirement at my work, had a very stressful job, worked in government, ran a city. It's tough. Had a 20 to 40 million dollar budget. Had to let people go at times. Had a whole facet of things. I was the engineering technician and operations manager. And I worked with police, fire, dispatch. We had interstate highways coming through us that I was responsible for. Snow and ice removal. Everything you see out there when you travel up I-75, I was responsible for. And it comes with a head. Unlike it is down here, nobody seems to care. 
But in Ohio, when you cross the river, I I can't tell you how many times I sat in a courtroom and, and was deposed over the design of a roadway or a sign that was hit. Well, that sign has that stop sign has to be five foot to seven foot to the bottom. It's got to produce so many lumens. It's got to be an eight foot, two pound galvanized U-channel post made to break away with two inch fully threaded bolts on the end of it. That's just a stop sign. And depending on the speed of the road, it had to be 30 by 30 or 36 by 36 or 42 by 42. And that goes for every other regulatory sign. And if one of them was wrong, it was Jay's fault. Miles of guardrail getting hit, getting that repaired before somebody else hits it and dies. I had a lady get impaled by a wooden post. Run off the highway. I'm telling you, I've had every reason in the world to say, God, what are you doing? Pull up on a a scene. Lady... Doing whatever, drives off the side of the road, goes behind the guardrail, goes into people's yards, runs into their privacy fence. A four by four treated post goes through her chest, through her seat, and impales her to her Jeep. Looking in that woman's eyes, she was not dead. She was just as alive as any of you sitting in this room right now, with the post in her chest. She looks and says, Am I going to die? What do you say to that? Paramedics look at that lady and says, Yes, you're going to die. We have to cut this post off. And when we do, you're going to die. I get down here excited about this church. I hadn't got 30 years with my dad. I was a 30-year gap. I got eight weeks before he falls off a tractor and the hay cutter cuts him to pieces on my farm. I could have looked at God. And let me tell you, I am not patting myself on the back Let me tell you, I had to spend days on the ground. I could have looked at God over my tremendous circumstances. I said, God, why did you bring me down here for this? Because what I'm doing tonight, because I know, is more important than anything else that could ever happen in my life. Just teaching you this. Performing my gift from on high to you is more important than any of that. I give you my word as a man of God. That's the truth. That's how I see it. That's my Lord. I feel like when I looked at Jesus and He looked at me and He said, just like He said to His disciples, He said, are you going to go? What did they say? To whom shall we go? For thou art the Christ. You have the words of everlasting life. Where am I going to go? So I stand here with no one left in my family. 
but you all. And I love you. And I wouldn't leave for nothing. Because this, this right here, Satan, the reason why I sung that song, and probably the reason why I got a B and an F, is because he knows what he's doing when he tries to discourage you. Compartmentalize your relationship with God. Do not allow Him to control you through what He does in your circumstances. Church, hear me. My goodness, I can't say that enough. Jesus pronounces these blessings on people who reject religious externalism. Well, we could look good. We can look good. We can look safe. We can look religious. This right here, what we're doing, is all about what's going on on the inside of you. And the inside of you should, should start to make the outside look like something. Amen. The outside of you should do it. Because the inside is glowing with Christ. I am so fired up for Easter and for this revival. God has got like jet fuel waiting on me to plug into. And I'm like, can I get some right now? God says, get back from that. That's racing fuel right there. We'll get that the night of the revival. Watch out. It's coming. You better buckle your seats because we're going to heaven together. We're going, to preach, we're going to preach it down, Brother Jess. God's already filling my heart, filling my mind. I'm staying up and I'm, I'm waking up with sermons and I'm like, oh my goodness, the people ain't going to be able, they're going to have to hang on! God gave me one sermon and my Fitbit watched out 911. Watch out. So, Jesus knew a little something about this. He knew that this was for the saved, the coming. Religious people can't do this. You're just too mean for that. You're too unsaved for this. It's not the heart of you that's compelling you. This is what Jesus was trying to get to. He wants your heart, your heart that belongs to Him to make you like this. The Beatitudes are what you should be. Your attitudes should be like this. Now let me explain to you some of this. In verse 3 says, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. What does this mean? I've had people ask me this. Why would God want me to be poor in spirit? Why? Let me tell you what our wonderful Savior meant by that. To be poor in spirit is to be in spiritual poverty, realizing that you yourself are bankrupt inwardly without Him. That's what that means. That you realize that everything about you, you're just bankrupt. 
Why are you blessed? Because when you realize that you ain't got nothing to offer, that you're righteous, you're, you're nothing inside you, there's none good, no, not one. That we can't produce our own righteousness when you realize stop, to, to stop being external with your religion and stop living by the flesh, stop living by your circumstances. When you pour it out and you bankrupt your spirit saying, God, I need you in every single minute of my life, you'll be blessed. Mm, man, man, I feel good up here, even though I'm, I'm not good. Let me get this out again. I promise it's not the Rona, it's the trees. And I'm surrounded where I'm at. Why? Because you realize it. You've come to realize that you are bankrupt inwardly without Jesus Christ. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. That you have to continually depend on God. My goodness. Isn't that wonderful? To be poor in spirit. Can you see how you're blessed now? If you walk around thinking you're spiritually the on top of the world and you don't need God, then God's just going to let you go. And then you're going to blame God for every wrong thing that happens in your life and you're going to depend on other things other than depending on God and you're going to wreck yourself. Lord, have mercy. You need to be bankrupt. Being bankrupt in this sense is an awesome thing. Poor in spirit. What Jesus wants you to realize is your own inadequacy and your insufficiency apart from Him. Church, hear me. We are nothing. We are lost. We are beggars. We are, uh, we are undone in every way without our Lord. Amen, Brother Jess. I'm so glad I'm poor. Amen. I'm glad I'm poor. I'm poor. When I look up to heaven, I don't look like the I don't look up like the the Pharisee who was praying next to the old boy and said, "Oh, I'm glad I'm not like him, Lord." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like him. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes, but Lord, look how good I am. Do you see how the Bible ties it? It it. It just answers its own self. It reiterates things. It talks about its own self. It proves its own self. It rightly divides its own self. Do you see Jesus making that analogy of that Pharisee and that poor guy who was really seeking God? The one guy was poor and the other guy thought he was rich. Do you see how Jesus does this? Everybody, do you love Jesus tonight? Amen. I love Him. You see how this works? The one guy in the, in, in the parable, he, he thought he was rich in spirit. But the other guy said, oh God. That's why they called this, we're going to get into this in a minute. That's why they call this the mourner's bench, oh God. They would pull Zeke over their head. For the woman, it was their covering, her hair was long. And when they didn't have the tent meeting, when they, when they were outside of that, they would bow down and they would cover themselves with their hair and that was their private meeting with God. For the men, they would pull the prayer shawl up and cover themselves and that was their prayer place. 
And inside of that little private place. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so lost without you, Lord. I see the bankrupt state in which I'm in, and I don't have anything to offer myself. I don't know the way. I can't get there. I have no idea, Lord. Forgive me. Help me. Heaven will come down on you. Heaven will come down on you. When you get it right, when you're bankrupt, poor in spirit, God's kingdom refers to God's rule. If you're poor in spirit and totally dependent on God, you'll get to see God's heavenly rule on earth. That's what that means. Hallelujah. When you let the Bible interpret itself, when you go for true meaning and not theology or theory, just theory I should say, you will understand deeply. And God will show you these things. Bankrupt yourself one time. Admit to God, Lord, I've been coming to... Listen, folks, I know people that's been coming to church for 50, 60 years, and they don't know much about God or anything. No, that's the truth. That's all. Am I honest? Bankrupt. I beg and plead with God to show me. I don't pretend to know a thing because I don't. These sermons come to me. They come from heaven. Because God knows what a dope I am. I'd wreck it. I can't do it. Only being dependent on God can we ever become what He's created us to be. So be poor in spirit. If you want to be what God wants you to be, say, Lord, lead me on. Lead me on. You see, I don't look at this as an act of religion tonight. I'm not putting on a show for you. I'm preaching the gospel to you. This is life and death stuff. God can take this world away and leave me with nothing as long as He doesn't leave me. I trust in Him. King David said, I am old. But I was once young. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor have I ever seen God's seed begging for bread. Shall I worry? I depend on God for everything. Listen to me. Before I take a vacation, I pray about it. When we sit down, when I take a drink of water at, at the house, and I'll miss some, I'll usually thank God for that drink of water. Because every single thing I've got. I took a walk through the woods. I got about a mile and a half walk to go down to the field where my dad was killed. And I seen this beautiful dogwood tree. And I put my hand on it. 
And I said, oh Lord, I don't know if it was the dogwood tree or not. But I sure thank You for being nailed upon the tree like this one. Oh, Jesus was there. Remember Him. Be bankrupt. Understand, you got your job because of Jesus. You got your home because of Jesus. You got your life because of Jesus. You have your health because of Jesus. You have every single thing you have, even the hair on your head or lack thereof, because of Jesus. So why not walk in that? Why ignore that? I thank Him for every speck of dirt I, I walk on. I'm very thankful for what little we have. I'm very thankful to be standing here tonight. I don't take this lightly. I apply myself to the Word so that maybe it can save us all. Amen. Verse 4. We're probably not going to make it too much further, but I'll, I'll stop at verse 4 if, if that's what the Lord wants me to do. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Once again, people have asked me over the decades, why is it such a blessing to be mournful? Why would God want me to be sad? You see, that's the fleshly person. That's the flesh you not understanding what the Spirit Jesus was saying to your spirit. That's you not getting it. That's what that is. You're still trying to use the flesh to interpret the Spirit. And you can't do that. You'll never get to the right answer. So what does he mean? Well, he said in Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And you know, it's kind of a proven fact that if you're happy, you know, you're pretty much more healthy than when you're stressed out and sad. So then why would God want me to mourn? This refers to us being saddened spiritually by things that sadden God spiritually. Can someone give me a three-letter word that saddens God? Starts with a S and ends with an N. That's your hint. S N. Yes! Yes! S N. Sin! Everybody give yourself a round of applause because you were in that. You were in the moment. Yes. Sin saddens God. It's, it's mournful to God. Well, how, how can you say that, Brother Jay? Sin in your life should produce sorrow. But we've become good sinners. We've become good sinners. We cauterize our heart like with a hot iron and we get so calloused in heart, we can go sin and not even think a thing about it. Is that you? Have you let yourself get there? Have I let myself get there? I have before in my Christian walk. I'm going to be transparent and honest with you. God knows my heart. I think every Christian faces hard times. And you learn from these mistakes. Sin should sadden you. 
It should sadden you to the point of this. The consequence of sin should really make you sad, mournful. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. You see the beautiful children running around our church? I love these kids, right? I do. I am a kid myself. If y'all knew, knew how goofy I was in my own time, I'm a kid myself. Amen? Okay. I love to roll around and play with kids. I love to wrestle them and pin them. I love to do all kinds of stuff. But could you imagine your child going to hell? Could you imagine your grandkids, Dwayne, going to hell? Could you imagine? Could I imagine mine? They will unless they get saved. This is being real. Brother Jess pointed on this in his last sermon. The eternal factor. One person put it like this. Mount Everest. If a Kleenex was to be able to keep its form and just float over the tip top of Mount Everest ever so gently until Mount Everest was nothing, eternity hasn't even begun. Do you believe in the Gospel? I ask you to challenge yourself on the belief level, scale. How much? How much? Are you doing everything you can do to give them children a fighting chance to be eternally saved? That's oftentimes when I do and I don't do a whole lot of it anymore, but when I was doing marital counseling, I would always look at the other person and say, okay, are you being the best husband that you can be to make her the best wife that she can be? And wife, are you doing the best wifely things that you can do to make him the best husband that he can do? Biblically speaking. Or is it, if you can't hack it, get your jacket? Okay? You know, typically, the session ends right there. I ask you a similar question that Christ will ask every one of us in this room tonight. Did you mourn for them? Did it sadden you enough to where you shed one tear for their salvation. Praying to me with such sincerity that it brought you to tears to think that this one would be lost. Sisters and brothers, if we cannot do that for our own offspring, how in the world would you ever do it for me? Can I get an amen? amen. Man, this is gospel tonight. This is where the rubber meets the road. Right here. Blessed is he who mourns because you get it. You understand what's at stake. You'll be comforted in what way? God's going to give you the Spirit. God's going to comfort you with the Comforter. God's going to answer your prayers because you're destitute, you're bankrupt, and you're mourning for people that are not going to make it. 
unless they get saved. You all should be praying for this revival every single day, multiple times a day. Because it's the chance. It's a special event. Easter's coming on. It's a special event. People will come to church that typically don't ever come. I call them priesters. Christmas and Easter. That's the only time you'll ever see them. Mourn a little. Hell's a real place. I think the most effective thing that could be done for the church of Jesus Christ in this country today is if I could open a door and show you hell. Because it's a biblical fact that Jesus preached more on it than He did heaven. That's a biblical fact. Because he knows the extreme consequence of going there. Mourn a little. In my church, I thought about bringing them down here at least for me to pray on. I had an old poplar tree. It was really nice and straight. And I deer hunted out of it for years. And I'd take my climbing tree stand and I'd go up that thing. And I'd go up, I don't know, as high as the tip of the ceiling here, I guess. And I bet I sat in that for 25 years and prayed for people. Shot a lot of deer out of it. But I would sit there and commune with God. And one day my heart said, make altars out of that. And the tears that I shed upon it, let others shed some too. So I cut them suckers. I cut that thing down. And I had this old boy come over with his portable sawmill. And I sawed that up and I got three big altars in that church sitting there right now. Of that poplar tree. And I can't tell you the people that knelt on it. They got saved. Hundreds of them. They got saved. Who mourned. Mourn a little. Mourn a little bit. Know this, that if your loved ones who are dominated by the power of sin are not saved, they're not going to make it. Nobody's exempt from it. Genesis 6, 5 and 6, God grieves over the wickedness of sin. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus lamented the disobedience of Jerusalem and wept over the existence of death that sin had produced in John chapter 11. It grieves God. Does it grieve you to have a little sin in your life? We cannot laugh, take lightly, or just sweep away that we are in a lost world. And you got maybe there, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps even in this church on Sunday morning, do I, do I pray and hope everyone in here is saved? Yeah, I pray and I think probably y'all are. I mean, I don't know. Only you know. But what if one comes that's not? Would you come mourn for them to come? Have you ever thought of it as an opportunity to pray somebody in?
My goodness. Blessed are those who mourn. I've prayed for people and watched them get saved. Mourn a little bit. Brother Jess, before I go on, I, I think I'll finish, or finish here. I've kept you for a, a little while. I don't want to lose you. Statistics are in the church. If you go on about 20, 30 minutes, people start getting tired. 68 degrees should be the temperature you keep your church because that's, that's the temperature most people are attentive. Ain't that amazing? We don't want you too cold. We don't want you hot. If you're hot, you fall asleep. Then I'll shoot you with my spiritual squirt gun. I've done that before. So I'm going to stop. Now before I close completely here, we've covered two. Does anybody have any questions? How, this was my, my mantra that I have lived by, my saying, I believe in discipleship. And I believe the Scriptures are relevant for today's living. How do I apply them to my life? How? How do I live this in this world? Well, I ask you, who's stopping you? Any questions? If anybody's got any questions, feel free to ask. We can learn together. Brother Jess, would you like to close us out then? Maybe not? Do I have a question? Yeah. No, do, do you want to close us out? Or, or questions? Great. Either one's good. I don't know that I have a question.